It's 11.23, and today is football Sunday. Today is the first official Sunday of the football season. And uh, my game starts at 1.25, so I actually got a couple hours I can preach. But um, my Chargers play your Raiders. It's actually the Oakland Raiders, in my, as far as I'm concerned. But So that should be a good game. It's a rematch of last year's uh, final game. Nobody cares, but I care. I'm going to preach for just a, f- a few minutes because I do want to, I want to uh, talk about life a little bit, um, and I want to encourage us. I, don't, I think mostly I'm preaching to the choir here, as they say. I think most of you are in line with this, but I want to just encourage you, reaffirm to you, maybe give you some, um, uh, just some ammunition that you could use in, if you're starting, ammunition is not a good word, but if you're starting to doubt it, um, you know, that, you know, abortion or not, I'm going to hopefully encourage you um, and point you in the right direction here. Here's another thing that I, I've learned over the years. I don't debate these kinds of things with people because there's no, there's no reason to debate them. And I don't debate anything that could potentially cause me doubt. This is what the enemy tries to do. He comes in like, real well, you know, this and that, and well, you know. Them. It's like, no, I know what the Bible says, and um, I'm going to stand for life. And so I, I actually don't like to get in these kinds of debates. So if you want to debate me, you, I mean, you can debate the politics and the policies of it, but I'm not going to debate the, the heart, heart of it. <clears throat> you understand? So, all right. So you, you ready? Let's go right to Genesis 1. All right? You know, I'm not, a, I'm not long-winded anyway, so. I could be, Lee, if you want me to. Genesis 1, um, 20, verse 26. Now, this is right, this is right after God has made the, uh, created the fish of the sea and uh, the birds of the air. He did it in order. It was the, it was the fish and the birds. And then he said to the fish and the birds that it was good. In fact, it says he blessed the fish and the birds. And then he looked at the earth and he said, okay, earth, now create some animals. So it actually actually says he told the earth to create. He actually told the earth to create. And then it says, then there was animals. So this is where you have your lions, your tigers, your cat, domesticated cats, your dogs, your hamsters, your rats, your frogs. I don't know what God was thinking about half of these animals, but they were then created. And then God says, it is good. But I find it interesting. Interesting. God did not bless them. It is weird. He blessed the fish and he blessed the, the fish and the fowl. And then he, he says, I, you're blessed and it is good. And then he creates the, you know, he, the cats. He didn't bless the cats. So it just says it's good, but he actually didn't say, it doesn't, he didn't bless them. So I just find it very interesting. So when I look at my cat, I can see why God didn't bless this thing. I think last Monday was Labor Day, right? So Labor Day, we didn't have any school, and so the kids didn't have school, so my wife said, we're going to stay home, and we're going to watch a movie. We're going to all get around the, uh, the TV, and we're going to, you know, um, 
50, we have a 50-inch TV, and now it's too small. I mean, give me a break. It's like the kids want this 75. And my, come on, Carly. She wants this 75-inch television. It's like, what if, we, you know, I grew up watching, I think, like 20-something inches, right? And here's, what, here's how they tricked you when I was a kid. Um, the TV would not get much bigger, but it would appear bigger because it would be surrounded by this tremendously huge like cabinet, and there'd be this little TV in the center. Anybody remember that? This huge thing, oh, look at my TV. No, your TV's still 20 inches. You just have a huge amount of wood that's surrounding it. Nowadays, so anyway, I am aging myself. I don't care. I'm 48 years old. My birthday's uh, in October, so by the way, FYI. Oh, you'll know. You'll know. So, so listen, we, we, we get around, and we're like, what movie should we watch? So, you know, Lord of the Rings, that whole, yeah, that's great. Yeah, baby, L-O-T-R. Uh, no, we didn't watch that. Uh, my son likes, loves Star Wars. We didn't watch Star Wars. Uh, tril- is it Trilogy? There's more than three, right? We didn't watch uh, X-Men or uh, Marvel. No, what did we watch? We watched a documentary about cats. This is what we watched on Labor Day as a family. We're sitting around. What's the movie we're going to watch? Let's get the popcorn out. And here we go. Bam. Here's a documentary about cats. Netflix. That was good for about five minutes. Actually, the preview, the trailer looked pretty good, but they put all the good stuff in the trailer. You know, I love cat videos. If you ever want to make me laugh, send me a cat video. They, for some reason, they just, I mean, I'll be in. I'll be in my room upstairs. I'm, I'll, my wife will hear me just screaming, laughing loud. I'm watching a cat video. Is that true? I like cat videos. To me, cats are so interesting. So we're watching this stupid documentary about cats. And about 10 minutes in, I'm like telling my wife, can, can we watch something else, please? No, we're going to watch this. So did you know there are cat psychologists? They go to school for this. Cat therapists. These people are insane. (laughs) We're sitting there, and there's this cat therapist, and she's holding her kitty kitty, and she's like, oh, Carl is such a good kitty. But did you actually know that cats are smarter than dogs, apparently? According to the cat psychologists, they are. I did learn this. Cats know their name. Cats can do tricks. Did you know that you can teach a cat tricks to walk on their hind legs? What is that? I mean, we're watching this. It's just fascinating. I mean, it was so dumb and so fascinating at the same time. It was, it was like looking at a car wreck. You couldn't look away. So at the end of that, at the end, so here's what's happening. I'm not kidding. We're, as, the, as the movies, the documentaries are going, we're like looking for the cats. Come here, kitty. Look at this show. The whole rest of the day, we all looked at the cats differently. We did. We're like, okay, now if you blink your eyes slowly, the cat blinks back. That means they, they like you. So I'm going over the cat like, the cat hates me. It's a true story. We watched that stupid documentary, man. People, are getting, people go to school, and we have now bailed them out. They're getting these... The government is paying for people to go to school to be a cat therapist. I know. I know. So God created the domestic cats. He didn't bless them. And then it says in verse 
27, or verse 26. God said, there's a shift now in the atmosphere. God says this, let us make man in our image. He had not said that previously. Let, him make it, let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky and the cats and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Verse 27, God created man, this is key, in his own image. I want you to get that. We know this verse. We've said it a million times, but get that in your spirit. He created you and me in his own image, in his own likeness. We were different. We were set apart from all the other creatures. He said, this is going to be different with humans. We're going we're to make them look and act and just like us. There's going to be a value on them that we're not placing on any other creature, on any other plant. There's a value on them that is so great. This is what he did for us. And it says this. God made man and female. He created them in his own image. Verse 28, God blessed them. The first thing God did when he created humans is he blessed them. Yet we're running around still trying to live under a curse. And God's first thing to man was a blessing. And it says, he said to them, be fruitful and multiply. The very first command God gave man and woman was to be fruitful, prosper, and multiply. This is the very first command. Now, it's interesting if you read in chapter 2, when it kind of breaks down the creation of man. Of course, Adam was first. Adam was formed up out of, obviously, out of the earth, right? And then there's actually, we don't know the time frame. I mean, you can get theologians to argue. There's a, there's a time, there's a, there's time that laps between Adam and Eve, right? Adam was actually working the garden and he was talking to animals. I believe animals could talk back then. And he named the animals. And the reason I think animals could talk, because when, when uh, the serpent talked to Adam and Eve, they were not, there's no record of them being stunned. Like when they saw angels, and people see angels in the Bible, they're like on their face. There's, there was nothing. I mean, if, a, if my cat starts talking to me, then I'm going to be a little, I'm going to make a lot of money, I'll tell you that. But I'm also going to be a little freaked out. But there's a time, and then what happened was God, God recognized in that time when Adam was just playing with the animals, it's like, you need another person. You need, like, a helper. You need, like, a mate. These, the monkey's not cutting it for you. You need another human. So, right, he puts Adam in a deep sleep, and out of, out, he opens him up, man, like, however you want to imagine it, pulls from the, a rib of Adam. And it says he closes him back up, and then out of the rib of Adam is formed the beautiful Eve. And here's what's interesting. God's first command to man, Adam, the man, singular, was to, um, what was his first command? Was to do not eat of the tree of, what, knowledge. That was the first command. Don't, you can have, don't eat the fruit of the tree of good knowledge. You can have anything you want. You can have all of it, but don't, that was the first command to man. The first command to man and wife was be fruitful and multiply. In fact, when God created Adam, now I'm just, just read it. When God created Adam by himself, he didn't actually say recorded. 
It's not recorded that he said, I bless you. Isn't it interesting? It was when, when he created Eve and he had Adam and Eve together. And then he says, you are blessed together. And together I want you to be fruitful, prosperous, and I want you to multiply. I want you to have a lot of kids. This is still the same directive God has given us. Now, I'm not going to go too crazy. Some believe, like, uh, birth control is wrong and, you know, all that. I'm not, that's not me at all. Believe me. Or we'd have a million kids. Okay. So that's not my stance at all like that. <laughs> you know, and I don't think it's a sin if you don't have kids. I know there is a sect of Christians that actually, I was talking to a pastor this week about, there's actually a group of, like, real fundamental type Christians who believe if you do not have kids, you're sinning because you're going against the command of God to be fruitful and multiply. That is not my stance at all, okay? But what I'm saying is there is a value that God places on life that the world is trying to get you and I to be blinded to. Do you find it interesting that the pro-abortion spirit comes against the very fiber and nature of the first command God gave to man and wife? Why do you think that is? Because he know, the enemy understands the value of life. And if he can squash it out it, when it's in the belly, that's what he's going to try and do. Um, it is a big deal to our church, this thing. We do not have the right to take life. We don't have the right. Now, I'm a conservative. Uh, I vote conservative. It doesn't matter. Uh, I'm one of the weird guys. I'm so pro-life that I'm actually anti-death penalty, politically. That's my stance. You don't have to be that. It's fine. I mean, but that's, I'm so, I, I just, I think there's, God put such a value on humankind that he sent his son to die to hang on a cross for every single human being. And in fact, when Jesus was given the option to rain down terror from heaven, he refused. We have more value than cats and hamsters. The job of the enemy to come and kill and steal and destroy and everything. And, but there is, again, there is something in, intrinsically unique and valuable about you and I that we're so valuable that the Father sent his son. I love what our founding pastor, Zach, would always say. He would say, God's blood doesn't make you worthy. It proves your worth. It proves your worth. Colossians 3.10 says this, and you have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. David says, I'm fearfully and I'm wonderfully made. Imago Dei, or Imago Dei, the image of God. God created um, uh, humans. We have the emotions 
And here's the thing. We're created in the likeness and image of God. Those words are actually synonymous. If you look in the original too, it's basically the same, same meaning. What, is that, what does that mean? It means we have emotions, we have thoughts, we have feelings just like the Father does. You know, God's not this just this guy sitting up in there on his throne like, ah, you know, Thor or Zeus. He actually has emotions just like we do, or we have emotions just like he does. I'm just looking over my notes here to see if there's anything else. I'm trying to get quick, trying to be quick here. I'll just say this. So Jesus says what? I am the way, the truth, and life. I find it interesting, too, that when God reveals himself, one of his name, one of the names of God, God is I am, right? I am the I am. Jesus says, I am. I am. I am the way. What does that mean? That means this is it. You're looking at it. I'm the way to get to the Father. I am the truth. I'm the truth. Everything you think is true, filter through, the, through me, Jesus. So if your truth is contrary to the truth of heaven, to the truth of Jesus, your truth is a lie or it's rooted in deception. Jesus says, I am the way. I am the truth. Now, the second one, the, well, the first one, people can eh, kind of get around. So, like, I am the way. There's, there's, there's no other way to God, right? Uh, we're not universalists. There's no, there's no other ways that lead. All routes don't lead to heaven, okay? So that can be a little bit, you can kind of get away with that if you're talking to somebody who is, you know, antichrist. Or, eh, I don't know. You start talking about truth, though. It's on like Donkey Kong because there is such a demonic spirit of this, quote, my truth thing where you, how dare you tell me what the truth is? How dare you tell me that I, you know, you fill in the blank, right? So Jesus says, I'm the truth. And then he says this, I am the life. I am the life. If you want life, you got to come to me and through me, and I'm going to give it abundantly. And when you walk in the life of heaven, man, you will see signs, wonders, miracles. You will see the provision of heaven like Tony prophesied. Even if you're going through seasons, you will just have maybe small seasons where everyone walks occasionally through the valley of the shadow of death. But but you will fear no evil, and you keep on walking through that thing. Don't pit, don't uh, put your tent, don't build your house in that, in that valley of, of, of death. We keep walking, and we will keep on releasing the love of heaven to a dying generation who thinks they have the choice to choose between whether to keep or, or, not a, or, keep or get rid of a baby that God has gifted them. Listen, babies are never a mistake. It's never a mistake. And so, church, we place such a high value on the unborn. We've lost some people because of our stance. Whatever. We're not changing. (laughs) We're not changing, man. Come on up, Lee. Let me tell you what heaven does to churches and people who partner with life.
He blesses them. Come on, stand up. I want you to be encouraged. And I want you to have the courage of encourage. I want you to have the courage to stand for the truth of heaven. And the truth of heaven is this. God is pro-life. He is. He just is. And if you want to be on the side of heaven, it starts with life. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come to give you life and life more abundantly. You guys agree with this? It's so good. It's so good. We're going to pray over this um, organization. Is it Rosario? Rosario. Could you come up real quick? Rosario. We want to pray over you because you are doing God's work, and I'm sure you've had some, you know, some issues with people. Uh, we're going to ask God to shut the mouth of the enemy over you. And uh, could you come up, Laurie? Pray, maybe Tony. In Jesus' name. So we're going to pray over the organization. God will protect them. So we just ask for the protection of heaven right now over the Women's Resource Center here in Nevada. God, that you would um, cover them as you, as you say you do in Psalm 91. That the doors would be um, safe. That any scheme of the enemy that would try to man- manipulate themselves to get in there will be stopped at the door. In Jesus' name, protect them and their family. Thank you, Father. Father, we thank you for Rosario. We thank you for what what they're doing, not just her alone. We thank you for their new facility that's so beautiful and so grand that celebrates every mama that comes through that door. In the name of Jesus, we thank you for supernatural protection. I thank you for the angels that guard every corner, the east, the west, the north, and the south gate of that building in Jesus' name. And we thank you, God, that they are releasing the love of the Father over these women and over these unborn babies. So we declare life and life more abundantly in Jesus' mighty name. And Father, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you for the foundation for life that they have established in the valley. And Father, we declare that they are no longer the only, but they are a model as being the first. And Father God, for every clinic that sprouts up that doesn't represent the value of life, that looks like heaven, that you would allow believers to step up and begin to be conduits of life by funding and financing with heaven's economy that we will begin to see more doors open and more spaces provided so that that what they have established here will begin to spread throughout the valley, that we will not be able to go to the north, the south, the east, and the west without finding a place of hope for life, without having a safe place for women to run into where they can find shelter and they can find assistance. I thank you, Father God, 
for the way they have stewarded your heart for life. And I thank you that they are again, not the only, but the first. So we thank you that this is a valley that will be known as a valley of life, as a fruit of their labor. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Let me, let me say this real quick, too. First of all, we, we will never sanction as a church standing in front of abortion clinics with signs. We won't do it. You want to do that on your own, that's fine, but it's not going to be sanctioned uh, as, with this church. I believe it's the kindness of God that leads people to repentance. And so we're going to focus on the positive, not on the negative. So that's one thing. The other thing is this. If you have had an abortion in this room, there is grace for you. There is forgiveness for you. There is so much love for you. God can turn around any situation. There is no condemnation or judgment upon you in this church. We're going to love you through it or, or, or not. You can keep it to yourself. You can tell somebody. It doesn't matter, but we are going to love you through it. Because one decision, one mistake, we're not going to let define you. If you're a repentant, man, God has forgiven you. And let me tell you this. Let me give encouragement to you. I believe this. I've known people that have been to heaven. I've never personally been to heaven, but I know people that have gone to heaven, seen heaven. And what is common with these people is that they say there are rooms, huge rooms, with babies in heaven, aborted and miscarried babies that are waiting for their mom and dad to come. And I believe this is not theological, but this is my belief, is that is the aborted babies will be able to be raised in heaven by their mothers or by someone that will come to heaven. We have two, ba- we have two miscarried babies in heaven. We named both of them. And we know that they're waiting for us in heaven. And I don't believe they're going to be adults. I believe we're going to get to raise them in heaven. Of course, my wife says I got to raise them because she says she's done raising the kids. So I'm going to have to raise the two in heaven. I said, that's fine. She has, she has told me this many times. I'm not raising any more kids. You're doing it. But I want you to know, I believe there's, I believe there's, a, there's such a, a peace there when you think about that. So listen, if you've had an abortion, and I'm and online, if you've had, there's, there's grace for you, there's forgiveness for you, there's no condemnation for you, you are loved, and the plans for God for you are still going to go forth if you let Him. Just walk in the repentance of heaven. It doesn't have to uh, hinder what God wants to do in your life, all right? So I want to say that. All right, you guys good? All right, have a great week. Wednesday night we have Bible study and we have youth group. Um, next week is our big Sunday, big offering Sunday. 10K Sunday. All right, we'll see you guys.